Hello, I'm Bradley Callahan. And I'm Michelle Schrader. And this is Fork. Where we find out random knowledge. About the things we find most fascinating. And then... We talk about it. Yup. So yeah, basically we... Michelle and I... Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is proper Uh, grammar. That is proper grammar. Yes, I went to college. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, we did. That is how we know each other. <laughs> uh, we're college friends. Um, and basically, we each find every episode, we find two things that fascinate us. About and random stuff. It about could random be anything. Stuff. It could be anything this at is all. your regular variety show. That's right. Welcome <laughs> to the regular variety show. <laughs> That's never mind. Um, but first, we start out with a fun thing. So, yes, Michelle, what's your fun thing? Yeah, today's fun thing. Um, I took a picture of the sky the other day, and there are some active wildfires in Colorado right now. Record breaking. Yes. Um, about that today, that it's record breaking. It, it's the biggest... it was record breaking yesterday. So Cameron oh, Peak Fire okay. broke the Colorado State record yesterday, um, which was set by the Pine Gulch Fire previously this year, which oh. the Pine Gulch Fire broke the record this year from the Haven Fire in 2002, which held that title for 18 years. Wow. Yes. Cameron Peak Fire, as of right now, is 167,000 acres. It's a lot of acres. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I honestly have no idea how to judge an acre. <laughs> um. I have no scope of what an acre is. Ye- I Neither do I, but it's a... <laughs> but it, that 167,000 is a big number. Quite. So I will... I'm imagining it's a big fire. Yeah. I mean... For the record, the Heyman fire was only 134, something like that. It was in the 130,000 acres. And then, of course, Cameron Peak decided to come in and just blow that up. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I took a picture of the sky because yesterday in Fort Collins, there was like a very distinct line between smoke where it looked like an actual apocalypse was hitting the city and then blue sky day simpsons clouds simpsons clouds (laughs) it was yeah and so i was trying to take a picture to show like one of my friends that lives in boulder uh and my family Mm. like the stark difference between smoke and blue sky so I just walked out of my office, took a picture of the sky, and then came back in. Little did I know that I had also captured the sun, which, because of the smoke, was actually red. And so I sent it off to my family and everything. And as I was, like, looking at this picture, I realized that this smoke that I took a picture of looked like a face. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the sun was this demonic red eyeball. And... Then the the rest of the cloud, it had, like, this protruding nose, and then it came back in for a little mouth. But because it was a cloud, it was kind of fluffy looking, I guess. So I sent this to my family, and, of course, my sister-in-law is like, that's the Terminator because of the red eye, which I was like, oh, yeah, 
Definitely. Mm. I, I show it to my boss, and she's like, it looks like a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> and now we know a little more about both of those people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, Fort Collins air quality and sky stuff is Terminator teddy bear level fun. <laughs> that is so fun. <laughs> fun facts. Fun facts. <laughs> yeah. My fun thing. I need a fun thing. You need um, a fun thing. Um, I, well, it's, it's fall. It is fall. And I really like fall. I'm, I, I've decided this year that I'm, I'm a sweater person. Uh, I get that. And so I've just been, I've been buying a lot of sweaters. <laughs> I think I've bought like three sweaters in the past couple weeks. Uh, I already had, like, two, so now I have, like, five sweaters. That's a so, good... I mean, you can always use more sweaters. That means that I can wear a sweater just about every day. Yes. Pretty much. Sweaters are great. They I don't are. see why there's a downside. I mean, other than when it's hot, you could have heat stroke or something. Right. But I feel like I should specify they're fashion sweaters, like, not just, like, like a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a very distinct Not, like, a zip-up sweater, but, like, the sweaters with buttons. Yeah, no, like, sweaters, sweaters are classy. Hoodies are, like, either sportswear or... Well, I feel like, you sure. Would, would, if it has a zipper, is it a hoodie, though? Yes. Yes, it is. For some reason, I always figured, like, this is like <laughs> unless it's like totally, a Patagonia totally off topic <laughs> but like is it I just always thought that if it has no zipper if it's like a pullover then that makes it a hoodie and then if it's a zip up that's a sweater I don't know why I thought that no one ever told me that I thought that's that the just, hood was the whole thing that made it a hoodie that makes a lot more sense <laughs> um I'm inclined to agree with that I don't know I don't either that was just my understanding of the world. That's how I looked at it. That was... Wow. Anyway, what's your first thing? <laughs> yeah, so kind of a, uh, back on the topic of, of the sun um, <laughs> and the smoke, because that's been on my mind a lot lately. Um, well, so I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's, in my, it's in, on my mind, in my lungs. It's everywhere. Oh, wow. um, covers my car in the morning, you know. You should write a poem. <laughs> You know, maybe one day I will. Yeah. Um, but I have noticed out of all of this record-breaking devastation, Colorado has had some of the most beautiful sunsets lately. Yeah. Like, they're just these gorgeous, vibrant reds and oranges, and sometimes with if there's clouds and smoke, you can almost get burgundy. Burgundy is burgundy. my favorite color. That's a good color. Such a good color. It's I mean, just so warm and cozy yeah. and rich and... Rich. That's a good word for a color. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like continue. it a lot. <laughs> um, I, I think it's a very accurate assessment yeah. of the color bur- burgundy. It is. Um, I agree. Yeah. And, and so I was like, okay, well, why? Why are they so pretty when there's something so awful happening? So I looked it up. And essentially what it comes down to is like, you know, the fire's burning. And it releases all of this ash into the air. Of course, that's going to be particulate matter that you can inhale. And it's not good for you and all of that good stuff. However, right. um, what it leads to and kind of the, I guess, how 
sunsets work in general, why they're pretty, is because when they're at that angle on the horizon, there's just more atmosphere to scatter wave particles to begin with. Because you know how light, it's got different wavelengths, right? You've got, you know, right spanning right, 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 the spectrum right, right. of like blue to red, yep. <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, so essentially, blue wavelengths are much shorter, so they're like faster. If you think of the little mm-hmm. snaky sine wave, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, the peaks of said sine wave are closer together, right? Uh, making it a shorter wave mm-hmm. length. So that makes it more easily like that makes the wavelength more easily scattered. Oh. Yeah. So when you have a longer wavelength, like red... I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like the science you're telling me might be true. <laughs> Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but then the, the red mm. wavelengths, because they're longer, so right. the distance between the peaks being much farther apart that makes Mm -hmm. it much more difficult for the or much less likely much more difficult i don't know um but for those wavelengths to be scattered and so when you get more particulate stuff in the air like Mm -hmm. say ash (laughs) you can get these really rich reds which also led to and burgundies and and burgundies and all of these really beautiful colors but that's also the science behind how I have my Terminator teddy bear eye and how I was able mm. to stare at the sun at like two o'clock in the, right. <laughs> in the daytime, <laughs> which is apparently still not good for you. So don't, don't stare at the sun oh. kids. Yeah. It's like looking at an eclipse. Don't do that. Oh yeah. 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 So that's my, that's my fun fact is how the sunrise sun sets are so darn beautiful when something so awful is happening gotta look at the bright side kids the bright (laughs) bright Bright side side. (laughs) sunsets just (laughs) killing it my first thing yes is uh is barcodes which i realize sounds really uh boring (laughs) especially following beautiful sunsets but Um... they're actually very interesting uh (laughs) Barcodes are something that are in every day. I don't think that's boring. I feel like, for me, ever since I was a child, barcodes have always confused me and Fair. befuddled me because I they're just it's it's just a little. You know, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's a barcode, but like somehow you can like use a a laser and like you just get information from that. And I was really hoping that in my my research on barcodes. <laughs> Gain a better understanding as to how this magical process occurs. And they explain the science to me, and I, it still just sounds like magic. <laughs> but I will do my best to explain how all of that works. I'm um, looking forward to it. So, so barcodes um, essentially are, are visual, machine-readable representations of, of data. Okay. Um, at their, like, you know, base definition. So basically, really wish barcode was an acronym, but was an oh was an acronym. Yeah, it's it's not. Unfortunately, that would be really cool though. Like, what if it was called like a 
of VRD, uh, of VRAD, uh, uh, VRAD. Oh, visual, visual representation, representation of, of data. Of data. <laughs> of ra- of a rod V-Rod. Code. <laughs> a V-Rod code. <laughs> V-Rod code, yeah. <laughs> so there's apparently actually two different types of barcodes, which is like your typical like one-dimensional barcode, which is the parallel lines that everyone's familiar with, mm-hmm. and then QR codes. Oh, yes. Uh, which... I should everywhere not, now. I should not call QR codes because what I discovered is that apparently QR codes are just a subset of what that is. So it's technically a two-dimensional barcode. So is it like... QR codes are just a subdivision of that. Up and down and then side to side? Um, yes. Like, like QR codes usually will have various shapes. Okay. And like... And, and things like that like yeah so you kind of like yeah up and down like you got two planes you got the mm-hmm. the y and the x is that right yes what's the other one um there's x y and z if z, you're talking that's about right. three-dimensional z is the third graphs dimension. right right but essentially yeah i mean regular barcodes are just a line across and then qr codes are like up and down the whole the whole picture but they were invented in 1951 by norman joseph woodland and bernard silver Ooh. Uh, basically, it was they were trying to figure out a way to. It's it's basically like a a. Uh, it's based in Morse code, actually. Of course. I mean, obviously, sure. I'm make. I mean, it all clicks. I mean, that makes so much sense. Right. You've got long and short, and you've got wide and little and nothing. I I get that. It makes sense. I still don't see it. Like looking at a barcode, I'm like, right. I don't. Well, I don't get how ones and zeros make up computers. I'm but. sure. <laughs> right, that's fair. <laughs> but it actually didn't actually become like commercially used for like 20 years, which I find really interesting because I feel like this this would have been such a revolutionary like. You're telling me that way. they didn't really start using barcodes until the 70s. Yeah. So barcodes ha- have technically been around until the fi- since the 50s. But have not, like, been commercially used, like, in grocery stores and that sort of thing until the 70s. So they've only been around for, like, 50 years. And obviously they really took off in, like, the supermarket industry first Mm -hmm. as a way to keep track of their merchandise and all that in a much easier way and to, like, streamline the checkout process. Mm -hmm. And actually, even though technically the barcode was invented by Norman Joseph Woodland and Bernard Silver... The one that we know today was actually developed by a man named George Laurer. Laurer? How do you spell that one? L A U R E R. Laurer. Lawyer. Lawyer. That's it. Sorry, George. But basically, because it printed better than the one that, that Silver and Woodland had made, because okay. I guess the one that Silver and Woodland had made was, like, circular. I couldn't find a lot of information about how that works, especially if it's a one-dimensional barcode. Yeah, that is but, really interesting. But I know that now there's a lot of companies that are using their barcode on their product to be, like, on-brand. What, what do you mean? So... Like Rowdy Mermaid Kombucha, for example. Okay. Their barcode is in the shape of a mermaid tail. Oh yes. Like it's still got the lines and stuff, mm-hmm. but the physical silhouette 
right. of the barcode say. I have seen is, that. Like, like, a, there's, like a little pumpkin or like a right. something like that. Yeah. Or there's one for a shaving cream company where they have, this is actually kind of cute, they have a razor going down the side and then they've got little bits of barcode like falling off. So it's like the razor is trimming the barcode. Nice. It's kind of cute. <laughs> Well, the first, so basically the first time it was used, though, was 1974 in Ohio. So the new one was used. The new one, the, yes. The, the first time the it was like... The rectangular, non-circular barcode The rectangular, was used. normal one that we all know and love... Yes. ...was first used to scan a pack of Wrigley chewing gum. What flavor? They didn't tell me the flavor. Dang it. I don't know the flavor. I, I would imagine... I spearmint or wintergreen. I would It's got to be spearmint. What if it was like, or maybe it was like juicy that, like, fruit type? I know that that's not. What see, that's was like that, juicy. That was the first thing that popped into my mind, though. Was like juicy fruit, <laughs> juicy fruit, like Wrigley gum. Is that? Yeah, I is juicy I, fruit Wrigley. I don't know. Oh damn, <laughs> juicy fruit. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean now, I mean ever since then, they've been used in like everything. They're like barcodes are now used in. The whole retail industry for, like, airports, for checking bags, like, yeah. hospitals for, like, patients. Keeping track like, of patients. Keeping track of actual people. <laughs> the mail. I mean, yeah, you like, get checked in. Cars, you get the like, thing on your wrist has a barcode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, basically everything. Keeping track of data is just yeah. and much easier. Anything when that can be data is barcoded. Pretty much, yeah. So this is where it gets scientific and interesting and this is where the magic happens because it's it still doesn't really make sense to me but i will explain to you the science behind it so, so essentially ready. the scanners act as a, a keyboard in a way like essentially like when you're plugging it into the device that you want to transfer the information to so the i'm device... holding a barcode and i am pointing my laser gun at said barcode is that what you're talking about no so, like, when you plug it's the scanner the into the computer... into the computer. Yes. It's, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So the bar So, the scanner into the computer essentially is recognized as, like, a keyboard to the computer. Okay. That makes um, sense. And that's kind of how it. it operates. Yeah. And so, it, when it scans the barcode, it translates the data that it picks up from the barcode and then essentially types it into the computer. It, like, inputs it. Um, through some weird series of through, ones and zeros. Right, exactly. Through some <laughs> weird series of ones and zeros. Um, so basically how it works is the scanner like scans the black and white elements of the barcode by illuminating it with a red light. And then I don't know why the red light is necessarily important. Something to do with But I guess that's how computers can... <laughs> something to do with ones and zeros, is that what you said? No, I said something to do with wavelength. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Look at us, just <laughs> coming back around. Full circle. <laughs> and then basically, it converts the image into matching text. Okay. And that's the part where I'm like, okay, but how? <laughs> right. It, they didn't really explain that further. That's just sort of it converts the image into matching text, and then it detects the reflected light. Yeah, so it detects the reflected light from the illumination system and sends the information to the decoder that's in the scanner, which basically translates the bars into numbers. Whoa. I know. And then 
<laughs> what I have written in my notes is the decoder interprets the information through some sciencey bullshit and covers it into text, converts it into text. <laughs> because it's still, I still don't, it still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but the part that like does make sense is the application like receives the text and then basically the computer already knows and is programmed that that text means this item. Right. So that's all like pre-programmed already. Right. It's like that, you know, you build your product number and your barcode is your product number. And then exactly. You know that zero five two six is Apple. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It's arbitrary. Don't use that when you're using Zero. produce. Zero five two six. <laughs> so yeah, basically, barcodes have just become really, really popular because they make storing data really easy and collecting it. That's fair. When when trying to find the actual science behind it, uh, all I got was just like light and a decoder interprets it, and that's how it works. So take do with that what you will. I will use, I will think of this conversation every single time I go to a grocery store. I'm so glad. When I, when I was a kid, my mom got me like a fake grocery set, whatever, Mm -hmm. but it came with a little barcode scanner. And when I say barcode, now, now it was, it was supposed to be a barcode scanner. It did not have a laser that came out of it because this was a child's toy. Right. Um, and we all know that I would have pointed that in my eyes. Mm-hmm. We all know. But what it would do is you would, you would scan a barcode and then it would pop up with a price. Well, I very quickly noticed that if you scanned the same barcode twice, it would have two different prices. So this child's toy is a scam because it was just randomly generating numbers. Which seems really odd because wouldn't it be so easy just to have it actually do what a scanner is supposed to do with barcodes? But you're oh, a child need... right. and you don't want to point that in your eyes because right. we all will. That's fair. The laser, I guess. But I mean, hey, at least... But like, how did it recognize that you had a barcode then? Well, because it had a trigger. I could point it at a wall and oh, pull the trigger so you, and it would... So as soon as you pulled the trigger, it would beep. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's a really it was shitty a scam. child story. Yeah, it <laughs> was <like> a scam. <laughs> I, also, I also used to think that barcodes, each individual barcode, like... You right. have a package of craisins, and you have a package of yes, craisins. I used to think this too. <laughs> I used to think that those barcodes were different. Right, you can't just scan the same pack no, twice. No, they've got to know that you took this package. Exactly. I yes. And it can't be the other one. And it no. I I honestly I don't think I discovered that until like maybe a year ago. <laughs> like that was like yeah. a recent discovery for me. That was like I used to yeah. just always like. Just out of just out of safety, you know, like who knows? Fair. Like let's just scan each individual one. Right. Like you like, can't not... scan the cheese and then put the other cheeses in there. Like yeah, for some reason it just feels weird. <laughs> yeah. You've to... gotta scan the cheese. I feel, I feel and weird put it over about there. it. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I I've always thought that. I think that when it really clicked for me, <laughs> I was using my fitness pal, which has like a scan option where you can scan your food product and it like pops up with the nutrition facts. Oh yeah. Um, and I was like, what? Like, it knows this box of cereal? 
and then I realize that it's actually the same exact little icon. You just smack that on there, and yeah. it's Cheerios. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I, I also used to think that, like, a box of Cheerios from Target yeah. had a different barcode than a box of Cheerios from, like, Safeway. But I'm, I really don't think that they do, because... No, they've got to be the same. They've got to be the same no, because you have they those have to, those apps because that of like, my fitness pal. exactly. Yeah, thank you, my fitness pal, for answering all of our barcode questions. Right, <laughs> but also you've got to think like there's no way Cheerios is manufacturing boxes that can only be sold at Target. <laughs> oh know? God, no! I mean, that's got to be some kind of special edition, um, right? Weird promotional exactly, thing yeah. where they put the Target bullseye dog on there with. The Cheerios buddy, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> yeah. The... What's his name? He has a name. Buzz? The bee. Is his name Buzz? Is his, his name, name Buzz, Buzz the bee? I think his name is Buzz. He's gotta be. He's cute. He's a cute. I'm little... looking this up. He's a cute little Buzz guy. If he doesn't have a name, I swear to God. What? Does he not have a name? Okay. So we've we've. We've done some research, and the 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 Cheerios B did not have a name for a long time. But apparently, some somebody won a contest, and the best that they could come up with was Buzzbee. Okay, we so, all know it was a child. I we all know it was a child because Cheerios is... But she won a national contest. Yeah, yeah she's a child. But th- there were probably lots of children <laughs> that were more creative than that. Than Busby. <laughs> I can't say it. I have a friend who has a dog whose name is Busby. I'm not kidding. Really? Yes, and that wow. is all I can think of right now. Shout out to Busby. You're a good boy, Buzz. Well, now we know. What's your second thing? Oh, my second thing. Um, speaking of buzzing, uh, my second thing is related to butterflies. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which look, at nothing... look at all these smooth transitions. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> so, um, and I get, no, I really, I really should have done that transition um, with, speaking of childhood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because when I was a kid, I was told that, if you touch a butterfly's wings, you'll kill it. What? Who? What? <laughs> now. Who, who told you this? Like, my teachers. Have you not heard this? What? That sounds a terrible thing to tell a child. It is a little depressing and dark, but it's... Was it we'll tra- get into to, like... That. Was it... Maybe you're going to get into it. Well, but, like, I'll... was it to, like, discourage you from, like, ripping its wings off or something? Like... <laughs> Probably. Um... <laughs> Well, no, not gonna lie, because because we um, but butterfly wings are very fragile, and of course, if you're a second grader, you might be a little more clunky and poke your finger through the wing. That's fair. You know, I that's a very realistic possibility. However, there is some truth to it, for a couple different reasons. Okay. So if you've ever now, this is true for moths and butterflies, and. This is going to be pretty generalistic because this substance that I'm going to talk about serves a different purpose for even, like, different species of butterflies and moths. So, 
on a butterfly's wing. If you ever touch it, okay. or do touch it. I, I don't think I ever have touched a butterfly. <laughs> I've never touched a butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you ever have, or if you've ever, like, if you've ever seen a moth hit a window, and then there's dust left behind. Yeah. I'm gonna be, I really thought you were gonna start the segment with, like, touching a butterfly gives you, like, good luck, or, like... <laughs> No, that's when a ladybug lands on you. And an angel gets its wings or something. <laughs> right, like... right, yeah. No, unfortunately, <laughs> This I really took told... a dark turn for me. I'm still coping with that. <laughs> no, the butterfly dies. <laughs> you you kill fucking it. kill it. Yeah. Well, I mean, my entire life, because of that, I thought that if you had, if you, like, even the gentlest touch on the butterfly's wing would kill it. I thought that that meant death. Maybe not immediate, but it meant death. And I didn't know why until recently okay but realistically if you touch a butterfly and you look at your finger you will most likely see some kind of dust on your finger Mm. or if a moth hits a window or a light or something or maybe your wall and you see the dust left behind same stuff for those of us who haven't touched a butterfly okay (laughs) thank you for (laughs) catering to me you're welcome so that dust is actually super duper tiny little scales. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're super duper tiny little scales. And um they like they coat both sides of butterfly and moth wings. Okay. And they're obviously very very fragile. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So in most situations, like, for a lot of butterflies and moths, these, um, these scales serve two main purposes. Okay. One of them being structural soundness of the wings. So these scales actually, like, give support to the wing. Okay. To prevent it from breaking mid-flight. Fun fact. <laughs> Is my understanding. Wow. Mid-flight. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I mean, how fragile butterflies, butterflies were. Butterflies are very fragile. I mean... I mean, I always imagined that if I were to, like, pick one up, I could easily, like, rip its wings off. But, like... Yes, The you fact can that, like, that. they might fall apart mid-flight is, like... Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> well, if, if it didn't have these scales. Right. But it has these scales, right, exactly. so that's yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. happen. Um, but the other primary use for these scales is heat retention. Oh. Which is probably more important than the structure. Although it didn't, re- like, it didn't really say which one was more important. I just saw articles that said both. Okay. I mean, arguably, they're both Like, they're both pretty important. important. <laughs> but I think that a butterfly would be more likely to die from heat retention loss than losing a couple scales and having its wing break. <laughs> like... I don't know. I'm not an it's hard expert. hard to say. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, but for the heat retention, butterflies are cold-blooded. So they need these scales so they don't, like, freeze, essentially. Wow. So I also... So, so yeah, when you touch a butterfly's wing, that dust that you're taking off is these scales that help them retain heat. And if you take enough off, you could mean... Like, that could mean... 
death for that butterfly later. Like, it might be able to fly away from you. You're not going to be able to, like, you could damage its wing. But if you didn't damage its wing structure so it can still fly, it could die because it gets too cold. (laughs) And it can't retain heat. That's like bees, like when they sting you. But, I was just trying to circle it back. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but also, I, I read another thing that mentioned that this dust feature mm. can also help with avoiding predators and getting away from predators. So, like, imagine if you're holding onto this thing, but it's covered in dust, and then it can wriggle free. Oh. Right? But... It's not... Super effective if it loses its dust, though. Exactly. It's going to die. Like, so you escape immediate death. Gotcha. Only to die by freezing. So it's like a chance for the butterfly to get to say goodbye to his family before it dies. Right. Because also, get this, butterflies can't regrow those scales. Like, they don't regrow. They're not like hair. They don't. They're not like lizard tails. Like, they lose a scale, it's gone. This is very fascinating. Yeah. Also, those little dust scales are, from what I understand, what gives the butterfly wings their patterns and their colors. So if you were to just, like, swipe at it, it will lose a lot of color. It might not lose the whole pattern because, like, the actual structure of the wing provides some of that as well. Um, but yeah, it, it'll lose some color, which is why on very old butterflies, they'll literally look worn <laughs> and they'll have like translucent holes and they'll be faded. Wow. Yeah. Bugs are freaking cool, man. Right. But also here's my thing. And I was thinking about this. If I was a butterfly, uh-huh. right. If my wings were so fragile, but my wings are like huge compared to my body and especially my head. Mm hmm. I'd be hitting my wings on everything. Like, I I would die because I just ran into a tree with my wing one day. Like, And now now I can't get warm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, I would brush off my scales. I'd be like, oh, crap, my scales. Imagine if that's how it was with people. (laughs) They're like... Well, I tripped over this tree stump today, and now I'm going to die hypothermia. <laughs> you couldn't give hugs. <gasps> Butterflies don't know what it's like to be hugged. Well, maybe they do with their little bodies. Maybe they, like, put their wings back. They... <laughs> just like, don't touch my wings. Yeah. Me. With their tiny little legs. That's why they have small legs, so that they don't they extend don't... too yeah. far to touch the their their fellow butterflies wings Thanks. it's just enough for a little butterfly hug butterfly hugs so that's my other fact that nice. i was really hoping would be less depressing but <laughs> ended up not being less depressing don't kill nice. butterflies i i won't now yeah. I might have before, because I might have been eager to touch a butterfly, having been <laughs> well, a, a butterfly virgin far up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's butterflies. That's nice. your second fact. Uh, well, it's not so much a fact. 
my second my second topic is much less expansive. Okay. Than my first fact. Not that my first fact was very expansive, but Fair. my second, well. I Well, no, I really enjoyed your first fact. I learned, oh, yeah. I learned something today because of you. I, I, so did I, because of you. Yay. I'm so glad. This has been a beautiful bonding moment between us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my second thing is the concept of steampunk. I wish people okay. could see your face. jeez. <laughs> oh, um, okay, okay, I'm so ready. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> My middle school and freshman and sophomore yourself are, like, living their best lives. <laughs> I'm so glad. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so, essentially, I mean, for those of you who don't know what steampunk is, it's... It is a visual experience. It really is. It's, uh, well, the, once again, the precise definition yes. of steampunk. Well, actually, the precise definition of steampunk apparently is very vague. Yeah. And That's from what I recall, at least. People really don't actually have a good idea of what steampunk is. It's yeah. kind of one of those things you know it when you see it, usually. Yes. But... Like, you are told, this is steampunk, and then you are able to... Like, you're shown a picture, and you're told, this is steampunk. And then you can look at any other picture and decide, yep, that's steampunk or not. And half the time, it's... Right. But it's difficult difficult to pin down exactly what it is. And different people do different versions. Right, exactly. Make steampunk your own, man. Just love it. Steampunk (laughs) is more of a fluid entity (laughs) Uh, than... Yeah. It evolves, man. It does evolve. Yeah. And it's still evolving. Yes. Uh, It's still a very new concept. Uh, Although it doesn't feel like it. Sure. Well, Well, I mean, it's based in not new things. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, (laughs) as I was saying, basically what steampunk is, is it's like, uh, it's a blend of the aesthetics and technology of the 19th century with science fiction and almost like futuristic elements. It's so cool. It's very cool. So it's it's like it's like Victorian era type fashion. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like top hats, goggles, corsets. corsets, like gears, bronze and, mechanical steam powered yeah. stuff, um, trench coats, that type of stuff. If the words that I am telling you now are not bringing up images of what steampunk is, then you need to get out more because true. It's it's really it's it used to be not so much of a a popular thing, yeah. but nowadays I feel like just about everyone knows what steampunk is. Yeah, I feel like almost steampunk has an aspect to it that's almost goth in ways. Yeah, or it can. Mm-hmm. There are ver- varieties well, sure. of yeah. steampunk that have more like gothic mm-hmm. vibes. Yeah. But I think that a lot of, like, yeah, it's a lot of gears, a lot mm-hmm. of metal, a lot of, like, copper and bronze yep. and silver. Like, airships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Like, yeah, the steam-powered airships, man. Yeah. There's not actually, for how interesting and how, like, exciting I feel, at least steampunk is for me, yeah. I'm I'm surprised that there's not more, um, more of it in, mm-hmm. like, pop culture. 
because yeah. there, there's not a ton of it. Like, it's a they, beautiful aesthetic. I want to see more films like yeah. actively in steampunk. It's a very underused, yeah, like genre. I, I think, but uh, it mean, is like, very even, stylized. Even now, I'm like try, I'm like struggling to think of like good solid examples of like recent like. Bioshock Infinite was, like, Mm -hmm. pretty steampunk. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, interestingly enough, Treasure Planet... (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, duh. Of course. Yes. Has, like, a a lot of steampunk elements, but it's, like, it's steampunk mixed heavily with sci-fi to where they, like, Mm -hmm. going into space and all that. Yeah, I don't know. I just find... I find it just very, like, an interesting setting to tell stories in. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm just, like, very... Perhaps the most, like like fascinating part about it is just how underused it is yeah um it's so stunning it is like like all of the the gears and the like the mechanical Mm. nature of it and almost like grime because it Mm -hmm. is based in a period of time that was right not clean exactly (laughs) yeah you know it's it's got this very rugged feel to it but it's very clean and precise Mm -hmm. at the same time but also you've got all of these like old looking things Mm -hmm. achieving the goals of like modern machinery and beyond yeah and even things things that that we don't even have don't exist exactly and that's Mm -hmm. fascinating oh dude treasure planet's an excellent example yeah. In my mind. Treasure Planet is a great film. Oh, um, freaking Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, well... The yeah. Robert Downey Jr. one. Okay. That's, yeah, that's... Got it has some, some That's definitely, like, it. some steampunk. I mean, some of it some of it feels steampunk, I think, because it actually <laughs> is, like, the era that steampunk right. is kind of based on. <laughs> but but the, um, specifically what I'm thinking of right now, the device... Is that in the first movie? The device that's the bomb. Oh, yeah. Or the gas bomb. I very vaguely remember it. That device is steampunk. Yeah. Like, very much so. It's got, Mm -hmm. like, that bronze, like, you've got all the the ticking, moving pieces, you know? Like, that's a very steampunk aspect. I'm not seeing Mm -hmm. anything that's, like, okay, another variety of steampunk. Have you seen Sucker Punch? No, but I know that that's, like, steampunk-esque. It's steampunk-esque. It's not super, like, Victorian yeah. style. It's a little... But that's the thing. It's like, yeah, that's why steampunk is hard to pin down. it's one of the generations. But it does have, like, goggles and stuff yeah. like that. So, steampunk itself, kind of the concept yeah. of it, kind of originated with um, Jules Verne, with, like, you know, like, 30,000 Leagues Under the Sea and... Yeah. Like that submarine, just that kind of like that style, uh, sort of of like having this like mechanical technology that's far beyond mm-hmm. what they had even like at the time. Yeah. If I remember it correctly, they didn't actually have submarines at the time that that novel was written. And if they did, they definitely couldn't go that deep. Right. Absolutely. With- and sort of that 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 sort of aesthetic, and then H.G. Wells is another example. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> It's sort of hard to pin down exactly, like, when steampunk, like, started, but that's sort of what, what people say is, like, that was the first, like, steampunk. Fair. The term steampunk actually wasn't really used until, I think, like, the 80s. Um, Interesting. I mean, okay. I, I can see that. Like, Interesting. Yeah. And it was a... It was actually used as, like, 
sort of like it was it it was sort of a term like a derogatory term toward it not necessarily derogatory but like making fun of it because it was like it was based off of like cyberpunk and it was oh, just okay. like oh so it's just like steampunk instead basically. of cyber because right, everything yeah. runs on steam instead of right exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so not derogatory that's the wrong wrong word for it but yeah, like but sort of like, just like a like oh so it's like basically like a stupid name that someone just kind of came up right. with offhand yeah and then it stuck and um, everyone loves it right yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um but yeah steampunk i dig that that's yeah. a great topic thank you yeah really i mean taking me back today man <laughs> <laughs> that's my goal just nostalgia trips yeah, all man. day long i like actively followed websites and like social media for steampunk clothing sellers i never actually like bought anything yeah but um i was so close to owning a corset and i was in high school Mm -hmm. (laughs) like early young high school but it wasn't because i was like i mean every young girl has their issues but it wasn't because of that it was because i liked steampunk steampunk and i wanted i wanted that Mm -hmm. but of course they were all like custom made and hundreds of dollars oh and... yeah always <laughs> cosplaying is expensive in general yeah and like if you're gonna make your own stuff holy crap like that's not only do sure like your individual pieces are not going to cost you as much but you're gonna invest all of your time in making something that's super freaking cool mm-hmm. and then if you don't make it yourself then you're gonna have to buy it and then if you want one that's good and not like a spirit Halloween, like, right. yeah, then <laughs> you're going to be spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's our show. Yes. <laughs> this concludes the pilot episode. <laughs> it, it certainly does. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If yes. you are listening, if you're not listening, then it doesn't Is matter. Is so. out there? <laughs> we appreciate you we appreciate you so much yes please out there in the ether feel free to reach out to us comments questions comments questions concerns (laughs) concerns fact checking fact checking (laughs) yes yes please please just overload us with tons of fact checking (laughs) bullshit about all the things we said that were was not true I will, um, I will put a heavy asterisk next to everything that I said, that that is my understanding of what I read. Like, yes, and I will do the same. <laughs> like, I feel like maybe we should just put that in the description. <laughs> like, we should do a little, like, I don't know. Oh, gosh, what's it called? Like, the uh, thing where you, yeah, in the yeah. beginning where you're like... Disclaimer. Thank you. There it is. <laughs> Special thank you to Kevin McLeod for letting us use his song, Happy Boy End Theme. Yes, it's lovely. You can find a link to that song in the episode description. And yeah, we will... We're big fans here at Fork. Big Forkin' fans. Fork, yeah. Forkulator. <laughs> <laughs>